Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is We Must Choose Popularity or Faithfulness. Popularity or Faithfulness. 1 Kings 21, 17 to 20. And I'm going to start off with telling a story. There was a, a, husband, a, a husband and wife went to see the doctor. It was really the, the husband's doctor visit, and the wife went along to just kind of be some moral support. He was getting a little older, and she's like, you've got to go see the doctor. You're 55. Now let's get you to the doctor. So they went together, and he went in for his checkup and comes back out and sits down. And the doctor comes out a minute later and asks to see the wife. says, could you come here? I wanted to speak to you for a moment here. So uh, called the, the wife in, and she's, he said, listen, your husband is in very serious shape. I know he's only 55, he's a young man, uh, but he, he, he has a very serious heart problem that can't be fixed through surgery, can't be fixed in any way. The only thing that can save your husband is he can't have any stress in his life. That is vital. He cannot have stress. So first of all, First of all, he's going to need to, to stop working immediately, not even go another day. He's going to have to stay home, not work. You're going to have to let him sleep in as long as he wants to sleep in, bring him a nice breakfast in bed, just keep him really calm, relaxed, no stress. Uh, I know some of you remember this one. So, uh, they, so then, uh, uh, then let him just relax, bring him something to read, let him watch TV, whatever he wants. Just make his life very relaxed for him. Uh, fix him a nice lunch. You know, help, encourage him to take up something he enjoys. That's not stressful. Maybe, you know, it's bird watching. Something, something not stressful. That Make him a nice lunch. Make sure he gets a nice long nap in the afternoon. No household chores. Nothing that will put any stress on him. No honey, honey do this. Nothing. You just got to let him in, just enjoy his life. No stress. Very, very important. His heart is just hanging by a thread here. So, uh, and then at night, fix him a nice dinner. Whatever his favorite dinner is, fix him his favorite dinner every night. Find out what he wants. Make it enjoyable for him. Uh, don't worry about the diet thing because it's not going to matter. His heart's in tough shape. Fix him what he, let him eat what he wants. And then afterward, after you know, he has a nice quiet evening, you know, offer to you know, make love with him because you know, that's a real great stress reducing activity. So anytime he's in the mood, do it. You know, just make sure, make sure you take the stress off. Even if you're not in the mood, please, you're going to have to do this for his heart's sake. Okay? And, and then make sure he gets to bed. And, and then after he goes to bed, Start the whole day over again. The next day, same thing. And she goes, now, do you understand me? Do you understand? She said, the doctor says, do you understand me? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, doctor, I understand perfectly. He says, okay, good, good, okay. So I'll let you break it to him. I don't, it's so serious, I'm going to let you break it to him. So she goes back out. Husband's giving her a look like, what's going on? She gives him the look, you know, it's okay, you know, you know calm down. And let's go get in the car. So they go out, and they're walking out. And she's still not saying anything. He's, you could tell he's a little worked up there. And, 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 and he's like, what's going on? And they get in the car finally and sit down. They're in the car, and, and he goes, I can't take it any longer. What did the doctor say? She turned to him and said, you're going to die. Now, that's a joke, obviously. (laughs) Although a lot of you can relate what I'm saying, right? (laughs) But breaking bad news to somebody is no joke. Breaking bad news to somebody is no joke. Have you ever had to really break something really bad to someone, some bad news to someone? It's hard, isn't it? 
Or have you ever had to con- confront somebody even though that you knew that would really upset them? You had to confront them about something? It's, it's hard to do. This happens in ministry a lot. It's so hard. But we have a choice to make as, as a pastor or anybody in ministry. We have a choice to make. Am I going to make this person upset or God? Am I going to make God mad or am I going to make this person mad? You've got to make that decision. And pastors do make people mad. We lose lots of friends over the years. Many, many. I probably could feel all the people that got mad at me and left over something I had to share with them. It was hard. I could probably fill up this, this auditorium with it. it, it it's, it's hard. When, when we confront someone for a sinful action, a sinful behavior, it's hard. And I'll give you just one example. You know, I have Christians say to me, there's nothing wrong with smoking pot. You know, it's no big deal. You know, I smoked as a teenager. I still smoke it now and then. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's a drug. And then they go right from that to CBD. You know, everything's CBD, CBD. Listen, I just read an article about this week. Doctors saying there's this whole CBD craze is the, the, the world's largest clinical trial. You know, they're just throwing it at people. There's no proof that it works. There's no, they don't know what it's going to cause. But what we do know, it's the pot industry that's driving this. Because if they can completely normalize it, they want marijuana to be completely normalized so they can legalize the recreational use. That's the whole goal of it. And, and I've had to say to people, listen, what are you buying this lie? Or and I've had others ones that abuse medicines and, and, and alcohol, abusing medicines and alcohol. And I've had to say, listen, you, 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 are, you should not be drinking at all. Now, we know there's nothing wrong in the Bible with having a glass of wine or, or some wine at a wedding or, or something like that. But I personally don't drink at all. But I know biblically it, 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 you can do that. It's okay. But if, if there's a problem, we shouldn't touch it. And I've had to say to people, you have a problem. You should never drink. You should, and, and I've had other people using abusing pain meds and i'm not talking about doctor prescribed i'm talking about they get their hands on other pain med abuse and and i and i've had to really confront some things and and i i'm not talking about people who take the doctor's meds and then got stuck on them which is is a horrible abuse by the the medical profession right i'm not talking about that i'm talking about people that abused it you know taking other people's meds and stuff i've had to uh, i've had to confront that sinful action and i've got people ticked at me over that or i've had to deal with a worldview that's not biblical a non-biblical worldview some will say to me something that's just shocking i mean you the bible says this about what you just said and you say it's okay like you know better than god you know better than God's word? How can you call yourself a Christian and say this This is okay? Just because you know somebody who, who struggles with that or ha- lives that life, then it's okay all of a sudden. But when the Bible is very, very clear that it's not. And, and I had to really admonish people. And, and it's, it's just shocking. And, and when you have to do that consistently and continually, it's hard. You lose some friends. Today we're going to see that the tough job that Elijah is given to do. Now remember, Ahab and Jezebel had just crossed the line of grace. Remember last time? They were involved in murder and stealing. They murdered Naboth. And Ahab now goes to enjoy his bloody deed. And we're going to see that Elijah is given a tough job to do. Let's pray. Father, we, we, as we look at this passage, it's a tough passage. And it's a tough passage to preach, and yet it's your word, and and there's a reason for every one of us to take this to heart. I pray that every one of us would hear from your word and from your spirit 
what we need to hear in order to choose faithfulness over popularity. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, 1 Kings 21, 17 to 20. We're just going to do these couple verses today. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood, yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And the first thing that jumps out at us when we read this passage is we should never mistake God's patience for apathy. We should never think, well, God just doesn't care. He's just patiently, I did this and I got away with it. Don't it? Oh, it's sooner or later. Uh, sooner or later. Ahab's end will come next chapter. Jezebel in 2 Kings 9 will, will get hers when she's eaten by dogs. After years of Baal worship, they've been worshiping Baal for years, after leading the country in sin for years, after years of murder and bloodshed, they've been murdering God's prophets and, 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 and servants. After years, their doom is finally sealed. But this is years later. Years. Don't mistake God's patience for apathy. In Hebrews 4:13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God sees all and he will make sure everybody gives an account. No one gets away with evil. No one God will make it all right in the end. We see people getting away with this and that and this and that. We say, well, but God, God is going to make it right in the end. God's word and history, if it shows us anything, if history shows us anything, it agrees with God's word that God always gets his man and woman. God always gets his man. We see it with Ahab and Jezebel. After all those years, we see it with Belshazzar in the book of Daniel. Belshazzar in the book of Daniel. We see it with Hitler. Look at history. Hitler and how many others. And even if someone, evil, dies in apparent peace here on earth. And it happens sometimes. We have enough of the other examples to know God's got it all covered. But even if someone does die in apparent peace here on earth, there will still be hell to pay. There is still hell to pay. And that's what the Bible teaches very, very clearly. No one gets away with evil. Now let's pick up the story here and, and read the first couple of verses again. First Kings 7, 21, 17, where it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elisha the, Elijah the Tishbite, Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, This is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says, in the place where dogs lift up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Yes, yours. God knew exactly where Ahab was. He knew exactly what Ahab had done and Jezebel. He knew what they would do. He knew he was going to come take the vineyard. He knew what he was thinking. He knew everything. And Elijah is sent to confront him. Notice Elijah gets all the dangerous jobs. 
All the dirty jobs. He's, he gets the mission impossible. You know, the mission impossible, if you choose to accept this. He didn't get a choice. You got to take it. Prophets didn't get a choice. They weren't like, you know, the guy in Mission Impossible. They had to take it. And he gets all the dangerous jobs, but he was prepared for this. He was prepared because he grew up in the hill country, the rough hill country of Gilead. He had already confronted Ahab before. He then went to Kareth. Remember Kareth along the brook and, and waited patiently for all that time for getting the, 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 the ravens were feeding him. He waited. Then he was sent to Zarephath where he, he had to uh, live with this starving widow and they had to live by miraculous, remember all the miraculous meals they got. And then he went to Mount Carmel. Carmel, Carmel, Carmel. You know, I like candy. All right, Mount Carmel. Uh, he went up on Mount Carmel and he, he you know, con- called on fire from heaven, confronted the prophets of, of Baal, and then he ended up in a cave. Each of these steps that we've talked about prepared him for this. He was prepared to deliver the message God had given him to preach, and it was a brutal message. Elijah's sermon to King Ahab was not seeker-sensitive. He, he, it wasn't a don't step on anyone's toes message. It wasn't that. It was a message of conviction, of accusation, of damnation, of God's wrath and judgment. It's a message that's desperately needed to be heard here in the United States today, in the USA today. It's desperately needed. But it's rare, and that's why the church has become worldly. It's a rare message. And that's why we have a worldly church, a carnal church. It's desperately needed today. Jeremiah was desperately needed in Jeremiah's time. In Jeremiah 23, let's let's read this. In Jeremiah 23, verse 16, we'll pick it up with. Where it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They They fill you with false Hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. This is what was being preached in Jeremiah's day. Sound familiar? But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath, a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purpose of his heart. In days to come, you will understand it clearly. I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to the people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. Am I... Only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away. Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and earth, declares the Lord? And we see what happens here. These were false prophets. They were saying, you can live any way you want. Verse 17, they keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their own hearts, they say no harm will come to you. Do whatever you want. Live any way you want. God won't care. Whoever he or she is, whatever it is, they, they, they won't care. Verse 22, but if they had stood in my counsel, 
they would have proclaimed my words to the people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. They are false teachers. They are hell's evangelists. And the United States today is loaded with them. And I'm not talking about just the false churches, the apostate churches. I'm talking about the evangelical church. Is loaded with them. Loaded with them. They, God is love. God is just love. Now, God loves us, but God is just love. God loves, he's love. He just wants you to be happy. He just, he just wants you to follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Our hearts, the Bible says, God's word says, are wicked. Completely wicked, apart from Jesus Christ. And, and, and because our hearts are wicked, God, and because we are wicked, God in his actual love, his true love, did something amazing. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved us and showed his love by letting his son be crucified on a cross in our place for our sin so that we could be forgiven by putting our believing and putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That's God's love. That's love that he sacrificed his son on a cross for us. And the only way to be truly happy is not follow our own heart. The only way to be truly happy in this life and in the next life is to follow Jesus Christ. To live for Jesus Christ. To follow God's word. And that message, Elijah's message, is needed in the USA today and it's very rarely preached and that's why we have a worldly church. And I'm talking about even the most evangelical churches are worldly churches. I could tell you story after story. It's unbelievable. It's rare, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the root of it. It's rare because many churches and pastors were deceived. They were deceived, and I remember years ago deceived. There was a big movement in our country started by Willow Creek and Pastor Bill Hybels. You know, I don't always name names, but this is impossible to preach without it. He came up with an idea of making seeker-sensitive. The churches weren't growing fast enough. He said, we need seeker-sensitive churches, friendly churches that never offend anybody. That's what we need to develop. And, and, he, and he went out with a survey and he found out what people's felt needs were. He says, that's what we're going to preach on. Not starting with the word, not starting with the Holy Spirit's leading. We're going to start with people's felt needs. And that's what we're going to preach to. And he gave, he gave up with a very slick presentation. I've got to tell you, I, I visited the church several times, went to one of his conferences. Very slick. And he grew this massive church, one of the biggest churches in the country. I think they were up to about 25,000 25, people until recently. Grew huge. Everybody started copying the seeker-sensitive model. And they even had a Willow Creek Association. They still have it. Where they trained thousands and thousands of pastors. Many of my friends follow this. It's pathetic. But I saw the cracks. You know when I first started seeing the cracks? They had a pastor's convention and President Clinton had just been caught in sexual sin and he brought President Clinton into his pastor's convention. Thousands of pastors there stood him up front and said this man is a Christian brother. He told me he's a Christian brother and he feels bad about what happened and, and we need to affirm him. They gave him a standing ovation. Huge ovation after that. Now I'm not judging President Clinton for his, his sin. Because anybody could fall into sin. There's no problem. I totally get that. No problem. I'm not judging him for his sin. But there was no repentance. 
He never repented. Sure, he had remorse. He felt bad about getting caught. He felt bad about the consequences. But he never hated the sin. Never. And here, Bill Hybels calls him up and says he's a Christian brother. And everybody cheered for him. And not one of those thousands of pastors stood up and rebuked that man. It's pathetic. And not just for the sexual sin. And not repenting. But this is the same man who was 100% for killing babies. Partial birth abortion is, is a problem for us today because of Bill President Clinton. He was the one who cemented it in our country. A born, I'm a born-again Christian. But he cemented partial birth abortion in our country. That man did that. And Bill, Bill Hybels had the nerve to stand up and say he was a brother in Christ and we all have to accept him and thousands of pastors clapping for him. And years later, I'm going to connect some dots here. Years later, way too late, Bill Hybels, I can't remember how long ago, it was a couple, five years ago now, whatever. He realized, finally, they realized that they were not producing disciples in Willow Creek. They said, we're producing believers, but not disciples. What a shock. Swiss cheese Bible. What a shock. And they said, and we're sorry, we're going to try to fix this, but they, it was way too late to fix it. The toxins had spread all throughout the country. The disease had spread. And, and, and to his credit, he admitted it, but way, way too late. And then recently, Bill Hybels was caught in sexual sin. Caught in sexual sin. Not just happen, slip. I get that I'm not judging a pastor who slips and falls or anybody who does it. I, believe me, I get slipping and, and struggling with temptation and sin. Not judging for that. We're all vulnerable. We are not judging him for this. But it turns out this had been going on for many years, the different types of sexual sin that he was involved in. And he wouldn't, this is the worst part, he wouldn't repent. He wouldn't repent. He would not say, I was wrong. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I did these things. I don't know why I called in one of my female staffers and watched pornography with her. I don't know why I did that. He would not repent. And he damaged that church. He still has not repented. He's stubbornly even causing more damage to the body of Jesus Christ. And what what a shock. He didn't ask Bill Clinton to repent. He became President Clinton's spiritual advisor. Mating with him all the time to help him overcome his problem. He really helped him, didn't he? Can you say Epstein flying on the jet? Connect the dots in the news. This, this man didn't understand, didn't understand God's word, didn't preach God's word, produced believers but not disciples of Jesus Christ, and the toxins have spread. The, the, the country, the evangelical churches have bought this garbage. Not all of them, but way, way too many. Let's connect the dots. I've been saying for years, we should not be... Seeker sensitive, we should be Holy Spirit sensitive. Spirit sensitive. And the Holy Spirit speaks primarily through his word. Through the word of God, through the Bible. Look at the reception Elijah gets in 1 Kings 21.20. In 1 Kings 21.20, look at the reception he gets. Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. 
uh, apparently Elijah was not seeker sensitive here. He's considered the enemy. So you found me my enemy. That's how he views Elijah, who preaches God's word. Elijah, yep, you found me <laughs> because you're doing evil. Yep, you found me all right. He doesn't give the president, the king, a pass. He doesn't give him a pass. He goes right after, right after the juggler. He doesn't give him a pass. He doesn't compromise. And, but that's what the evangelicals and the evangelical church, I'm going to talk more about it next week, even more, some different things, but, but it's shocking, the compromise. Even, um, even Billy Graham. Now, it breaks my heart to say Billy Graham, this, talk about him this way, because he was a great evangelist. He led many, many people to Christ. My own mother became a Christian through Billy Graham. But in his latter days, he lost it. Franklin, God bless him, has not lost it. He's picked up the baton that Billy once carried, and he's gone forward as a prophet of God. But Billy Graham lost it. Said shocking things. Compromised in shocking ways. And it was sad to see because of the fruit and the, the way God used that man so powerfully. But Billy Graham was asked, he was on the Larry King show during this whole President Clinton fiasco, and, and he was asked, uh, if he had ever con confronted President Clinton about homosexuality or abortion, because Clinton was pushing homosexuality, he was uh, obviously, you know, involved in heterosexual sex, uh, sin, sin, sexual sin. He was uh, doing great damage with abortion, great damage. He wiped out every restriction that, that we had managed to put into place up to that time. He wiped them out. Boom, first thing, he did, first thing he did in office was wipe out abortion restrictions. His first act. And Billy Graham was asked, Larry King, who's not a Christian, asked him this. And he told Larry King that he had never in the past, nor would he in the future, discuss homosexuality and abortion with President Clinton. And Larry King was a little puzzled, and, 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 uh, it, it, but, he, but he said, if I did that, I would not be invited back to the White House. Enough said. I would not be invited back to the White House. That's not Elijah. That's, that's a compromise. You, do you think Franklin Graham wouldn't bring it up? You don't think he would? He would. That's... That's... Why he was called, Elijah brought it up. He said, yes, I have caught you red-handed. And I'm sure Elijah was the last person that Ahab expected or wanted to see. But far from being his enemy, Elijah is his only hope. He is his only hope. Don't miss next time. You are going to see a God that you never thought was possible. You're going to see grace that boggles the mind you're going to see that Elijah is Ahab's best friend and anybody who preaches God's word faithfully is the sinner's best friend don't miss next time this is tough but next time you're going to be shocked at, at seeing what God did and how Elijah really cared and was really helping him it's shocking don't miss it I don't want to give it away don't miss it you can read ahead All right, but don't miss it no matter what we have done in our life, there is hope 
There is grace. No, you may think I've done something so bad in my life, God will never forget. Don't miss next time because you are going to see that anything and everything can fall under God's mercy and grace. But first, first we have to come to the realization that we have done something wicked and come to the cross. First, Elijah has to preach a tough message. He has to be willing to be hated. That comes first. Ahab calls Elijah his enemy. Who is he really talking about? God. Elijah's just saying what God told him to say. He's really saying, God, you are my enemy. I hate you, God. I hate your word. That's what he's really saying, right? He calls him his enemy. Expect, if you are going to be biblically faithful, expect to be called the enemy. Expect to be called a hater. Expect to be called intolerant. New Hope, we were attacked from day one. A lot of you remember that. And uh, thank God we've, a lot of people have seen the love of Christ in us and, and found freedom in Christ and, 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 and found forgiveness. So many have done that. But hey, there's still many that hate us. <laughs> we know that. Uh, but but even, and now, even in churches and even in Christian circles, you will still be hated. I still face hate even in, in, in church or talking to a Christian when I have to confront a sinful behavior or an unbiblical worldview. People often lash out at me. They lash out at me. And instead of repenting of their behavior or renewing their mind with a worldview, biblical worldview, instead of renewing the mind, they lash out at me. Because what does that show? That shows what's in their heart, right? That's what it shows. It shows what's in our heart. We, we, as a, you know how many times I've been called a troublemaker? We're called tr- pastors who preach the word are called troublemakers by those who want to stay comfortable in their sin. When I was on the farm, growing up on the farm, we had a pig pen. And there were pigs in that pig pen. And they would live in the most disgusting, horrible conditions. They would be laying in the, in the mud and they'd be eating their slop and they thought life was great. But they were living in a pig pen. And I remember sometimes we'd have to get them out of that pig. And they did not want to leave. We had to make them very uncomfortable to get them out of that pig pen. Because they thought it was great. But they were in a pig pen. And that's what we are in sin. We are living in sin. We're living in filth. We're living spiritual garbage. And and they don't want to come out of that. And when you try to move people out of that, there's a hostility. So many times I face, there's hostility to a pastor who preaches biblically. There's uh, Biblical preaching is very upsetting to people who are in the pig pen. Uh, It's too convicting. I've had people not too long ago here, you know, I found out they're gonna, they're going off to another church. Why? It's too, they're not, they'll say, it's too convicting here. I'm gonna go to this other church and they'll name it Evangelical Church, big Evangelical Church. I know I won't ever hear this stuff there. I know, I've had people, I know they'll never mention X, Y, and Z there. Yeah, they probably won't. They probably won't. It's called an apostate church. It's called a false teaching church. Even though it looks good and keeps has the same doctrinal statement, that careful preaching makes them false teachers. But every pastor must make a choice. Am I going to be faithful to God or faithful or popular with the world? Am I going to be popular with the world or faithful to God? Listen to a couple verses here. Luke 6.26, what Jesus says. Jesus says in Luke 6.26, 26, 
Woe to, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. That is how their fathers treated, your fathers treated the false prophets. When everybody speaks well, <laughs> odds are you're a false prophet. All right? Well, let's start with verse 10. Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, here we go. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Got that? Acts 20. In Acts chapter 20, verse 26. In Acts 20, verse 20, uh, is Paul is getting ready to... to um, He's saying goodbye to the Ephesians and the elders of Ephesus. And he says, Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. He's saying, I'm never going to see you again. He knew he was going to his death. He goes, But I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I've never hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I didn't leave anything out of the Bible. The whole thing, innocent of the blood. That blood it, it can be on, or it will be on our head. That, he was getting this from Ezekiel 3. In Ezekiel 3, he got this from, in Ezekiel 3, verse 17, listen to this. This is God talking to Ezekiel. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel, so hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his evil ways, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before him, he will die. Since you did not warn him, he will die for his sin. The righteous things he did will not be remembered, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the righteous man not to sin and he does not sin, he will surely live because he took warning and you will have saved yourself. That's what Paul is talking about. We are called as pastors, and I'm going to get to you in a minute, as pastors to preach the word of God faithfully, truthfully. And if we don't, the blood is on our head. it's, It's on us. And it's not just pastors. Here we go. This applies to everyone. All of us must make a choice. James 4.4. In James 4.4 it says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. We, each of us has a choice. Will we be a friend of the world or a friend of God? We have to make that choice. Who will we choose to be friends with? The world or God? Will we choose to be popular or faithful? At school, in our colleges, at work, in our neighborhood, in whatever group we're part of, wherever we are, will we speak the truth in love? Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 talks about that. In Ephesians 4, 
14 and 15, it says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Both are essential. Some churches are great speaking the truth and there's no love. Others are all love, but there's no truth. But God's word says speak the truth in love. Whatever we say to someone, it better be in love. But we better speak the truth. Will we speak the truth in love? At New Hope Community Church, will we continue to speak the truth in love? I have to make that choice every week. Especially going through the book through Elijah's life, right? And, and many leave. They tell me I'm leaving, I'm going to this church, and it's an evangelical church, same doctrinal statement, but they're careful preachers. They preach carefully. I've heard the stories. They won't say X, Y, and Z up front. Oh no, don't want to offend anybody. And they're careful preaching. And that makes them false teachers. But I have a choice. Will will I please man or will I please God? And those, and what I've seen is that those that the Holy Spirit is really working in, the ones who are really working, they're going to stay no matter what I preach. If the Holy Spirit is really working in someone, even a seeker, if it's truly a, a Holy Spirit-inspired seeker, doesn't matter if I preach something from the Word that's hard, they don't leave. Because God is working in their hearts. They will stay anyway. I've seen it over and over. They will stay. They will be transformed. Even though it's hard for them what they're hearing, they will stay and they will be transformed. Their actions will change. Their worldview changes. They have a biblical worldview because they're, they're like the remnant, the 7,000. You are like that. Those who are, you know what I'm talking about, you're like the remnant, the 7,000. And someday I will stand before God with clean conscience without blood on my hands. And, and you will stand with me because, because I was faithful to the word and you stayed, you allowed the Holy Spirit to transform your life. And, when I, and, I, and I, that's what keeps me going, knowing that so many here have done that. I know where you come from. I know when you weren't a Christian and where you are now and, and the steps you've taken. That's, but, but I talk to some people from other church. I'll, I'm not going to name it. It's very tempting. I'll talk to some from another church. And, and they'll say something. They're Christians. And they'll say something to me about something. Uh, I'm not going to name them. And, and I'll be like, what, you believe that? You hold to that worldview that's completely against scripture you you are doing these things and 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 as i probe and talk turns out many people in the church believe that way and it's completely anti-biblical and 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 i i remember thinking if i was in that church and had that many people believing what you believe i would resign in shame i couldn't face god Knowing that I allowed this false thinking and anti-Christ, anti-biblical thinking, I wouldn't stand before God. And the same thing goes for us, each one of us. We know all know a lot of non-Christians, don't we? Will we speak the truth in love to those who need Jesus Christ? Will we speak the truth in love? And it's scary, isn't it? It's scary, but 
Will we share? Even though we're scared, will we share? Because we don't know how they're going to take it. But do we love people enough to stick our necks out? In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.14, it says this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. We are convinced that Jesus died for us. And so the love of Christ compels us to share that message. What are we going to put first? I know it's scary. We've got to speak the truth in love. But do we have enough love? What if it wasn't they're going to hell for eternity? What if it was something a lot less? What if they were dying of cancer? And you had the cure. You, you had the cure. You know they're dying of cancer. And you had the cure. Would you say, I want to share it with them, but I'm afraid they might be mad because they're already being treated by this doctor and they believe that doctor is going to help them, even though you know they're not going to help them. But I, I'm just afraid they're going to, I don't want to hurt our friendship. Would you say that? No! You would desperately, lovingly plead with them to take the real cure for cancer, right? And that's what we're faced with. Do you have the courage, the love? To pray for that person and to look for every opportunity and share it even if it upsets them. But they know that it's coming from love. That, that, that makes a big difference. Have you ever acted on the love of Jesus Christ? You might be here saying you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You are the person that needs the cure, not for cancer, but the cure for hell. You need a spiritual cure. And I'm not talking about just eternity hell. Hell on earth and hell for eternity. It's both. You need that cure. But have you ever acted on God's love? He loved us so much that he sacrificed his only son to die on a cross. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, giving your life to him, turning away from sin, give your life to him, acting on God's love? Let's pray. Have you ever acted on God's love? As we go to this time of prayer, maybe your first prayer needs to be, God, I put my faith in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can have that life right now. You can act on God's love right this second. The simple prayer of faith. God, forgive me for anything I've ever done wrong, anything I've ever done against your word, your purpose, your will. I repent. I turn away from that. Please forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus, your son. I'm trusting in his death for me. His resurrection from the dead for me. Put my faith in Jesus. I give my life 
to Jesus. you have prayed this prayer of faith something astounding has happened you are in for the shock of your life your life will never be the same I want to encourage you to let somebody know maybe you have a family member here or a friend or tell me on the way out or text me call me email me let somebody know so we can encourage you in your new life in Christ But the best part is you have acted on God's love and you now have a love relationship with God as your heavenly father through his son, Jesus Christ. You are connected in a way that you never could have imagined or thought possible. And God's word is going to come alive in a powerful way to you. You have a new life in Jesus Christ, a love life with Jesus Christ. Maybe we're here and we've already put our faith in Christ, but God is laying somebody on our heart, somebody that we know needs the love of Jesus. And the love of Christ has compelled us. And we've been afraid to share. But our prayer is, God, give me the courage. Give me the opening. Give me the crack and I'll take it. I love you, God, more than I fear losing their approval or friendship even. Because, but I love them more than that. I want them to know you, Jesus. Father, I pray that every one of us would choose faithfulness to you over any kind of popularity. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen.